Hey there, welcome to the Ben Learns About Everything podcast, a podcast where we dive into uh, a whole bunch of subjects so that we can expand our worldview and just really dive into things which are interesting. And today I've got my good friend Peter Groom here. We were roommates for a couple of years in college and are still really great friends. Um, you mind just introducing yourself and letting us know a little bit about where you are right now in life? Yeah, sure. So my name is uh, Peter Groom. I generally go by Pete, though. Um, I am currently a Cornerstone student. Um, I'm studying uh, computer information systems, uh, and I'll graduate uh, in December. Uh, so currently, uh, I have a job at Mission India, and uh, I'm a junior uh, tech, technical support technician. Tech support technician? Something along those lines. And, uh, yeah, I live in Grand Rapids with a bunch of other guys. That's, that's, that's pretty much it. That's great. And then how long have you been doing that job at, you know, as a tech support person? So I have been uh, at Mission India for about two months. Um, and then before that, I did about... 10 months at working uh, IT at Cornerstone. Uh, I started uh, last year and I worked both uh, the fall and spring semesters and then uh, about month and a half, two months into the summer. Okay. And can you just go ahead and do a little bit of like, what, what does our role look like? You know, if I was doing tech support, what could I, you know, assume that my day would look like? Yeah. So when I was at cornerstone uh i would come into work and i basically run i was like a receptionist for tech support people people would either walk in or call and i was the first line of defense to help them with whatever they needed whether it was like uh they got locked out of their account or if they needed to reset their password or if they wanted to connect to the wi-fi printer things like that just what ever came in the door I was like one of the first people to sort through it and tackle that issue okay that makes a lot of sense and and is that really similar with your new job where you're you know meeting a lot of people as they come and then just helping them out with what whatever their daily needs are yeah that that's primarily what I do um but then admission India the uh IT is a lot smaller there's only uh, three people there, including myself, as opposed to like, I don't know, uh, 10 to 12 at Cornerstone, uh, excluding the student workers. Um, so there's a little bit more responsibility at Mission India. Uh, I branched out into a couple other different areas, and I also get to help on like more projects at Mission India than I did at Cornerstone. Cornerstone, I was pretty much all I did was that for was a uh, uh, like help desk at Mission India I still do all the help desk but when in my downtime I get to work on projects and you know other things at Mission India okay that that makes a lot of sense and so um, you know I know a little bit about tech support as well and I think I've seen a trend recently and I, I want to check if this is true for you as well you know you're working IT you know for a company and you'll be helping out, you know, solving problems as they come in. But another big part of it is actually making, um, systems to solve problems 
over time. So if you have the same issue, you know, four or five times, you might build something to solve that issue if it ever happens again. Are you able to do any of that at your company as well? Or Yeah. Um, so there was, I got to like automate a particular system where um, at Mission India, they would ask for prayer requests on a weekly basis. And that was all handled um, by, by somebody. But it was the exact same thing. So one of the one of the things that I did when I got there is I automated that process of sending out the email and there was, um, instead of just sending an email back to the person, they would um, fill out a form and um, with this particular system, uh, depending on how they filled out the form and some of the answers that they gave to some of the questions about like who, the, who needed to know about it, um, it would send emails to different people depending on their responses and it just kind of um, shifted or took away some of the responsibility and some of the repetitiveness that that other person, they didn't have to deal with that task anymore. It just all happened automatic, automatically in the background. So I got to do things like that. Um, and then if we do have like a recurring issue, um, sometimes it's a matter of uh, like help train, like user training. So pushing something like that out uh, to keep it from happening or occasionally uh, reworking a system or implementing a new one um, just to solve that particular issue. Sometimes, like, we'd have an issue with with a particular system, and we're like, I think it's at this point it's just time to upgrade. Um, this system has, there's limitations built into it, and it's not, it's not worth it to try and hold on to this system. We need to think about how... We need to redesign the system so that it works uh, better moving forward. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. So what are the things which people should be thinking about if they're looking into getting into, you know, sort of IT support? Like, what are the most important um, skills, I guess? Is it your ability to listen or, you know, what does that look like and what is the most important skill to have? Do you mean for like the the designing of the systems or like uh, like running the help desk? Because they're they're two different, two different parts. Yeah. Um, let's go into you know designing systems to help an organization run more efficiently. What mm-hmm. are the most important things you need to be thinking about to be able to you know improve a company and to make it run in a smoother, more efficient way? So one thing that I think tends to get looked over when people are thinking about designing a system, and part of this is just um, also being on the help desk side, is designing a system that is going to be intuitive for people to use and that they're going to want to use. Uh, I don't think you want to differ away or differ too much from uh, what they already know. You want it to be like every once in a while you just need there needs to be a more dramatic shift. Um, but keeping the changes more gradual and um, really thinking about the user and how the user is going to interact with this. And then when you're designing the system, um, making sure that whoever is going to be using it gets to have some feedback in on to the way the system is designed. Um, and then another thing that I think is important is making sure that your system is somewhat future, quote unquote, future proof. Um, so that it's it's scalable um, if it needs to be, and 
that you're not going to um, back yourself into a corner later down the road and just being keeping an eye out and trying to be aware of those those issues that might crop up. Okay, that, that makes a lot of sense. So you said there's familiarity, you need to have that, um, the feedback as well, and then it also has to be future-proof. Yeah. Which is, those are the main things. Those right? are all, like, like extra things that I think are um, important when it comes to designing a system that are really universal no matter what system you're designing um, other than trying to like the marks of like a general good system but how what kinds of good systems are going to fit into what you're trying to do okay um that's really cool what are some of the downsides which you've seen as far as like the tech versus the business you know have you seen any any places where there's a disconnect between you know bringing in new technology and then existing business operations or do the two kind of work together a lot uh they work together and they also it depends on the circumstances sometimes i think they work together and sometimes i think they um just really don't mesh well sometimes and i think it it generally that's one of the defining points on whether you should do something or not just because like like just because you can do something in the tech world doesn't mean that you should um and i think it's it has it's part of like an like the it department as a whole to decide whether you're adding value um or creating systems that just require more maintenance because every system requires maintenance and you need to make sure that you're getting um, payoff or, you know, that's not the great... Like not return the on the investment, yes. right? you really for... need a good return on your investment for the, for the projects that you're going to be working on. Yeah, that's, that's really helpful as well. Um, thank you. Do, do you think there's any sort of, um, you know, misconce- general misconceptions people have about IT, which you can clear up, like either in the help desk job or the systems now? Let's like, We can, you know, right. scale it out a little bit. Um, I think there's sometimes a general misconception that there's a lot of IT people who are closed off and not friendly. Um, and I generally tend to think that, I think there is a trend where they tend to be more introverted, but I don't think that's necessarily, I don't think that's a good indicator as whether someone is friendly or not. Um, like I generally can, I consider myself introverted, but, um, when it comes to working help desk from the feedback that I've gotten, people tend to like me. They, they think I'm quite friendly and easy to, you know, pretty easy to work with. Um, maybe they're lying to me. I don't know, but, uh, <laughs> no, yeah, I think it's true. <laughs> you, you are so friendly. far, as far as I can tell, it's, yeah. I'm pretty friendly. Um, and yeah, so you're so a lot of people, so for what you're saying, would think of IT people as kind of you know, kind of nerdy and they they quiet and keep to themselves. Right. And you're yeah, exactly. saying you know that's not always the case. Well, I think we're often definitely nerdy, um, but not necessarily. We can be. So we we probably we might not have a lot of the same interests. But especially if we're working with you on a project, that means that we instantly have something in common because we're both trying to solve the same issue. And 
Um, once you hit that point, then then you have something in common, and then they'll tend to open up a little bit more. I I, I don't exactly know. I just haven't worked with enough people in IT, I guess. Um, but a lot of them tend to be nerdy, but also really friendly. And all you have to do is get them invested in an issue you're having, and then you can kind of have that, like kind of like a surface level relationship because you're both working with the same program, and you can talk about it. Um, but yeah, there's I feel I I really do feel like there's a misconception, like not like a misconception, but like a stigma that. Um, IT people are nerdy, and that along with that comes with um, they're shy and they don't want to talk to me. No, we're we're I I have yet to meet someone in like especially in help desk who doesn't or really dislikes helping people. I, I don't think that they stick around for very long. Um, but they are. That they, it is very possible for them to be, you know, much more quiet, and they don't. A lot of them don't really speak unless spoken to, but once you get them going, they can really go. Yeah, yeah. You just have to kind of get to know them slowly and wait for them to open up, and then you know. Well, sometimes the opening up happens really quickly if you hit the right topic. Okay. Um, okay. Common interest, right? And exactly. Then, right. Yeah. It'll go out of there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. Is there is there anything else as far as um, misconceptions, or is that maybe one of the the main ones? Uh, I think that's the biggest one. Um, some, yeah, I think that's the biggest one. Okay, yeah, that's really helpful. So let's let's dive into some other things which you're, you know, you're interested in in, in your background. I know that you said that you um, grew up and you were homeschooled, right, mm-hmm. throughout yeah. high school. Do you think that played at all into your interest in technology? Um, honestly, I don't really think so. If it was, it was... I, I don't think being homeschooled really facilitated that a whole lot. Um, my mom wasn't super keen on having a whole lot of electronics in the house, so I wasn't exposed to them a whole... Like, I wasn't exposed to them as a, lo- a lot when I was younger, Um there was often a lot of limitations and uh, safeguards put in place. Um, so, And I was encouraged to like go outside and things like that, um, which I don't think is necessarily a bad thing, um, but I definitely found like a, a passion for working with computers and, you know, under, like the computers are a system, and I found out that I really like systems. And How did you come to that then? If it wasn't through homeschooling, what was the, you know, different route which brought you to really think that, you know what, I do like these and I want to learn more about them. Well, I think, I think I definitely, like, it was when I was being homeschooled that I really developed that love and that interest, but it wasn't the fact that I was homeschooled that accelerated. I think being homeschooled and being that environment, um, I don't think it helped facilitate that growth, but I think it happened nonetheless. Yeah, that makes sense. So, happened at the same time but they weren't related exactly you know, yeah directly or anything like that yeah that makes that makes a lot of sense that's great so what do you think about um you know it going into the future do you think it's gonna change a lot as new systems are coming about 
I know that right now a lot of people are talking about the development of AI. That's something I haven't done enough research into <laughs> to, to talk about. But do you think the jobs are going to be looking to change coming up? An IT help desk, I would be surprised if AI took over soon. Um, there's a lot of like human elements when it comes to working with tech support and really making sure that, that the customer is satisfied that I don't think... Like part of it is like compassion and emotion and that plays into like doing your job, um, like understanding their problem and really making them feel, you know, feel heard and along with solving the problem, right? You, if a lot of, you know, if you solve the problem quickly, most people don't have any issue. Um, but there's a lot of cases in IT where the problem doesn't get solved right away or quickly and and in those times, you really want to make sure that the um, whoever you're helping uh, feels cared about. Um, so I don't I don't see computers being able to mimic that or replace that soon. I think at some point, at some basic like it's when you like call a store and they have like that uh, what the the IVR the the like you talk to a machine and you try and you know it tries to help you. Like I think you can like reach that point with with like an AI, but I don't think you're going to get the same. Like, I don't like those phone things because I want to talk to a person. Um, there's a certain level of uh, specificity that is really hard to replicate as well as just being able to interact with somebody. Um, yeah, I don't think it's going to go away soon. I think there are certain jobs within uh, the tech industry that might disappear but I don't see um, like help desk or tech support being one of the first ones to go. I see that being one of the later ones to disappear. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Um, so you said that sometimes there's, you know, bigger problems and things don't go right. And so what, what happens then when things are, you know, hard or falling apart or, you know, you come across an issue and you're like, I have no idea how to solve this. You know, where does your brain go to and how do you start to handle that I guess so whenever I'm helping somebody and I get like sad like I walk over to the computer I'm trying to help them and I realize uh, I have no clue what's going on I'm in over my head <laughs> what am I gonna do um, and at that point one of the first things you have to do is like well first tell them I don't exactly know what what's happening right um, let me try a couple things, and I'll do like a little bit, a bit of investigation. Um, but at that point, uh, my reason for being there shifts from let me solve this problem to I need to gather more information about this problem. Um, I'm looking for uh, any sort of details uh, that I can think of that might be useful. And then uh, I try and transition in terms of like speaking with like uh, whoever I'm helping, uh, the client, whatever you want to call them. It becomes more, um, well, you, first off, you say, like, well, I don't know what's going on. I'm not sure if I can fix this. Let me try a couple things. And then if you have, like, a couple ideas that you can try, you can do those. And then you're like, okay, um, I'll have to follow up with you. Um, I need to look into this issue a little more, and I might, you know, talk to a couple other people in tech support. Um and then, like, after you do that, though, you've committed to following up with them, and you really need to make sure that 
you need to make sure that that happens. Um, especially if you're going to like, com- like after you're done, complete full stop and not come back to them for a little while, you really need to make sure that you make a note to follow up with this person after you figured out what the issue is. Um, I think that's where, like, where a lot of the empathy and compassion comes in because you have to understand that this isn't working for them and it's not going to work for them until you can get it fixed or, you know, you can figure out what's going on and get it fixed. Yeah. And so that's where maybe some emotion would come into it, you know, mm-hmm. and frustration. Yeah. And, um, and then you need to know a lot more than IT. You know, you have to be someone who can who can handle relationships well right. as well mm-hmm. to kind of smooth that over in a lot of ways. Yeah. Have like, you found that to be true? Yeah, very so. Um, relating to people is such a big part of doing tech support. Um, like simply just smiling, right? is such a big tool in helping make someone feel comfortable and that you're trying to help them. Uh, I It's almost always better to tell someone that you can't help them with a smile on your face um, rather than someone you can't, you tell them you can't help them and you're just, you know, straight-faced. Um, you want to be enthusiastic about solving the problem, especially if you are having issues, you know, issues with it. Um, so you're saying you need the honest, you know, the honesty first, exactly, and the positivity second, right? And then you know, just being a warm person, and that can kind of help with a lot of those sorts of issues. It helps sort out the rough patches when things don't go as planned or as you would like them to. Um, and that happens a lot with like help desk because no one goes to help desk if things are going right, right? People only go to help desk when things are going wrong and there's an issue. Um, sometimes it's it's awesome when you know how to fix the issue right away. Um, but the most most of the time it's gonna be issues that uh, take a little while to get resolved. Um, and they're not super straight, straightforward or simple. So I like what you said there. Nobody comes and reaches out to, you know, IT when things are going right, you know? And so, um, I guess it's a good thing when there aren't any, you know, any requests or anything. Does that become sort of draining, you know? Because every interaction you have, you know, is you working with a problem, you know, does that become draining or how do you handle, you know, is it, you like the process of solving the problems enough that it, you know, does not matter or does it become tiring since, you know, there's always this tension there? What does um, that look like? It can become a little frustrating at sometimes. Although I had one time I had, uh, like just recently someone told and asked me a question. They were like, so do you ever feel like like uh, IT is like one of those jobs where um, it's one of those uh, like never appreciated, but uh, like always like people always get frustrated with IT, but they never appreciate IT because they IT is only involved when there's an, you know a problem and people come come to you when things aren't going right. Um, and I kind of was like, well, there's a little bit of that. But at the same time, when you do have those things where people have an issue and they come to you and 
you can fix it right away and you're you know happy and you po- you're positive about that you can being ha- having the power to uh, take someone who's having an issue and being able to solve that I, I find it really um, it gives me a lot of purpose I really like helping people who are having issue I like working through it it makes me feel useful and I feel I feel like I have value when I do that um, so that's the way I tend to look at it and when you have like the, the game of tech support isn't thinking about oh things are going wrong and it's all on me well no things go wrong right that's just it just happens the the whole point of like IT is how do you get past that point and focusing on moving forward towards the solution like i i don't like thinking of IT as fixing problems but as creating solutions hmm just a bit of a mindset change there, exactly right? yeah I like that a lot. What what sort of a mindset do you have then to keep up the positivity we talked about? You know, <laughs> is there is there any sort of trick you have to staying, you know, glad when things are falling apart? You know what I mean? How does that how does that work? And what is the, you know, structure you have to to keep that about? Oh, so it's a couple other things. It's a couple of things. One is smiling even when you don't feel happy it's like especially when you're working with somebody else um just because that smile can do a lot like a lot it's just a couple muscles but it so to trick your brain is that what you're saying or to trick them which one are you going for both okay right (laughs) yeah yes the answer is yes okay (laughs) um you want to be as friendly as possible um and a smile just goes a long way and the other one is like being able to like kind of joke about it with people right and have like a good sense of humor um and then yeah bringing humor in to just cut the you know, you know frustration exactly right, and make it more that. a little more relaxed right I, yeah i like that a lot um and then and i think this is valuable and i'm really thankful that my boss you know in, reinforces this but like when you're done at the end of the day being able to take a step back and relax and just give your give yourself a break from all the issues that um just come up while you're at work um and just, just give yourself a little bit of space to recuperate so i think a lot i think the key to having a positive attitude at work isn't what you do at work but how you spend your time outside of work Kind of prepping and yeah. getting ready and mm-hmm. refreshed. Is that right? Yeah, I think, and I, I've heard a, a, several people say this, but like you bring a lot of people's don't like they bring their their problems from outside into the workplace, um, and that well, the, or like outside factors are often the cause of what are stressing people out at work. Sometimes it's work. Um, but oftentimes it's a lot of um, it's a lot of outside things, you know, at home with the family or friends or things like that. So I think 
part of just keeping that positive mental to men- mental attitude at work is just self care outside of work, um, and then when you go to work, just start smiling, and then after a while it just becomes natural. It's like it's like a little bit of a habit, and just being aware of where you're at emotionally, and then being honest with yourself when you're frustrated. Um, like really figure out where that frustration is coming from and trying to move forward through that. Yeah, because you, you don't want to be pretending that everything is good if it's not. You right. Know, there's a balance there. So right? you can, so there's like, you can only lie, like the, using the smile to like trick yourself into feeling happy. That, like, that can only like work so much and go so far. Um, you, you still have to be really real with yourself as to how your life is going and, you know, what issues are there. But at the same time, don't let yourself get like, it's, it's like a, it's a balance between, um, staying positive, but being real. So like realizing that you have like, what are your issues? What, what's causing you? But then also being really thankful for what you do have. Um, and I like, I've just been like thinking about this over the past week. I've been getting stressed out about like, you know, school and all that. But at the same time, I have to be like, but I have a lot to be thankful for, right? I have a place where I can live. My roommates are great. I have all these friends. I have a family that, you know, supports me. And then I have a job at Mission India. I have so much to be grateful for. And yeah, I have like, everyone's got issues. Like there's always... Um, life is always a struggle. You never really get through it. It's just once you get through one struggle, you move on to the next one. Um, but at the same time, you have to. It's sometimes it's helpful to take a a step back and see all the good that's there. I yeah, that was that's really good. I like that a lot. Kind of remembering to practice gratitude, bringing that in. Um, and then also being real with yourself. I think that's like the most important thing. So well done to come to that conclusion already. I think that's (laughs) going to be really helpful for you. You know what I mean? Already. It seems like it has been helpful to you already. Um, what do you think that I'm going to go back to it again? What do you think it could be doing better? You know, we talked about, um, you know, it's doing a good job solving redundancy and kind of, uh, helping organizations run in a smooth way, right? Mm. But what are some of the things that, you know, maybe it's not doing well, right? Is there ways it can grow? I know we could kind of go into the ethics of it, maybe. Um, but I, I want this to go any way you want it. What are some things IT can do to, to become better as a whole? Um, so... I haven't seen a whole lot of really big glaring issues um, other than occasionally I'm like, well, there's like some security and some, some privacy things. Like, I feel like, you know, we could improve that way. But I don't feel like there's any consistent, I, I, I couldn't pick out a really consistent theme among, you know, tech support really generally. Um, yeah, I don't, nothing screams this is an issue across the industry to me. Yeah, and I I guess that is true as well because the in you know the field is so big and you know to kind of tag something onto it would be maybe a little bit unfair. Um, 
for all the other disciplines, right? Right. Which, which does make a lot of sense then. Something else I want to talk about um, is how well the schools are preparing people for going into these IT fields. Do you think that universities are doing a good job of preparing students to enter the workforce? I know that you just kind of moved in recently. Um, you had a nice buffer, you know, with your first job at the school. But do you feel like people are learning enough to be able to comfortably transition from school into the workplace or... So in terms of tech support in IT, uh, it's interesting because, so I'm a computer information systems major, which means that I take a, a couple classes, like a couple coding classes, a couple, like a database class, networking, and I really cover a lot of the um, general themes of how technology, excuse me, technology is incorporated um, but I don't really dive real deep in some of the more technical and really scientific, like how do, you know, how is this processor created? How is it, um, made? How do we make a better one? It's, I'm, uh, talking a lot more about how do we utilize this technology in a business setting? Um, and in terms of, I think part of it was realizing that what my degree, like what makes my degree special, um, what makes my degree special is the fact that I get to take all these business courses. And I get to understand how a business functions, um, and some of like the communications methods within a business um, that are really useful and really helpful in applying. So I find myself like when I work IT, I find myself drawing on some of those more technical classes, but I also fall, find myself drawing from things like management and communication, like. I'm taking business communications right now. And I'm like, oh, I can apply a lot of these concepts that I'm learning in business communications. Like business communication in particular is like, I can take all of this knowledge and I can apply it because what I'm doing is I'm figuring out how to com like communicate in a business setting about technology to people who aren't. You know, they, they may not be in the same age, you know, uh, generation as me, or they might have a very different worldview or um, just a different perspective in general. Um, so I think that it's less about realize, less than, it's less about focusing or thinking about, um, did I get, did this, did college prepare me uh, in a good way, but more of thinking about it as like how so the college gave me some tools and how do I utilize those tools in a way in an effective way in the workplace um so I don't have like if it was if you asked me a question if you asked me the question did uh college equip you with the skills to go build computers and develop new components and things like that I, it, the answer would be no. Um, I really didn't learn a whole lot about that, like in depth, to the point where I feel like I could market myself that way. Um, but if, and then if you ask me to uh, run a business, I'd feel more comfortable saying, yeah, kind of towards that one, uh, just based on the classes that I, I've taken. But I'd say um, that IT is kind of where I've landed because 
I have like more of I have a, a unique mix right there. So it's just it's realizing how to market yourself because the college like you know your university college all those classes they gave me tools. It's but it's how I can find a way to utilize those tools in the workforce. Um, that really is that's it's it's that's instead of preparing it's did I get enough tools to the point where I can market myself yeah and I think I think it did okay yeah, yeah that's that's really good um, and then what do you think about the you know internships were those you know what internship experience did you have or is that what you're working on right so that's, now that's what I'm working on right now with Mission India it's kind of like it's a job, but it's counting as my internship experience. Okay, um, you're double dipping there. That's really good. Yeah, I, I really am double dipping. Like, so I started looking for both internships and jobs. Cause I figured, eh, well, if I, you know, if I score a job, I score a job. Um, and uh, yeah, well, I, I got lucky, and I got this job at Mission India, and it's something that I think will serve really well as an internship, as like it helped prepare me for like the workforce. But then when that, you know, it's preparing me even better for that job after I graduate um, because I'm already, I'm already a part of that company. I think that's why a lot of people, like, it's not uncommon for people who have internships at a place. And then when they graduate, they just, that internship turns into a job um, because they're already, you know, a part of that company. They already know the culture exactly. and they've been there. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I was going to say that. I think internships, especially for a field like IT would be one of the number one ways to really prepare yourself for graduating and, um, you know, feeling comfortable with, with how to, you know, operate in the workforce. So it's mm. kind of what I was asking you about as well. So, um, the last thing I want to touch on just cause you did mention it briefly was the generational difference and how oh. that plays into it. And we can run on that for, for a little bit. So this is something that I've really thought about quite a lot. So if you look into, if you want to like, like, I don't like grouping people under like labels, but if you group under people, um, based under like the lifestyles that they probably grew up in. So you've got like, like millennials and baby, uh, baby boomers. And then, um, there's like, uh, the Gen Xers and the Gen Zers, I I guess we didn't no no, no special name, but, uh, I fall into like the Gen Z category. Um, which I've heard someone, uh, what's his name? I can't remember his name. Um, but he spoke at the, uh, the global leadership summit and he described, um, or the way he defined like Gen Zers is like, we don't remember nine 11. Um, and we were raised by, um, gen, primarily the Gen Xers, uh, who, who range, range, they're like just older than millennials. They're like, you know, from you know, 40 you know, or like late, late thirties to, you know, mid fifties. Um, and part of that is, oh, where was I going? Anyways, there's a lot of, let me backtrack here. There's a lot of generational differences and, um, being able to relate to someone who like a baby boomer who cares a lot about notes and the different forms of communication that each generation like tends to prefer as well as their general, uh, tech, like how comfortable they are with technology, often ranges from each generation to generation, and you can like make generalizations, 
um, you can't like you can't always like uh, utilize or apply all of those generalizations every time you meet someone from that generation. Um, but to be aware of what people who in are in that age bracket, what they're generally capable of. Um, and the way you communicate with them and the things that they value. Um, they differ a lot from generation. And I think it's really important for particularly people who work in IT um, because they're going to be working with people from all, like, or just, just about any, any job. It's really important to be familiar with those. But particularly with IT because you're working with a lot of different people and you need to learn how to you need to learn how to communicate with them and then it's like it's like a more basic idea of like love languages instead of like you have to like the five love languages it's more about learning how to communicate with them in the way that they prefer to be communicated with and to understand what their level of knowledge is quickly okay i like that a lot so you're saying the different generations sometimes, you know, obviously it can't be applied to every single person, but have different ways that they like to communicate. And is that meaning in regards like of technology, like a, you know, an email versus a in-person meeting or, you know, what does that look like? So, um, in-person meetings are probably the ones I, that's the ones I prefer um, just because there's a lot of like verbal cues that you can, or not not verbal cues. Well, there's a, plenty of verbal cues, but nonverbal cues that you can pick up on, um, that really will tell someone like how they feel about a particular issue and what they really care about. Um, so that's why I like the in person. Um, but it's like it's like the difference between like using like a, an instant messaging like Slack or Teams or uh, just like really like or just text, right? Um, compared to like email, which is much more professional, and there's a lot, uh, there's more, there's more of a tends to be more of a gap in between um, back and forth and feedback. Um, so things like that make a difference. And then like, who who would rather call you, or send you an email? Um, but a lot, I think the biggest, that's that's part's important. But the biggest part is what they value. Um, and how to cater to them and show that you care about them in such a way that they feel valued. And that and sometimes for that's that's being that's explaining the issue to them. Um, for some people and other people it's like, Alright, don't worry about it. I'll handle it. And that's all they need to hear. They don't want to hear all the uh, the whys or because they, they think those, those are like excuses. They just want, yeah, I'll take care of it. And then some people really like to feel like they're involved in, you know, the solution. Yeah, that's that's really helpful, and I like that. I really like that you brought back, you know, caring about the person you're helping at the end of the day, which, which really brings around to what you were saying earlier about, you know, being a positive person and how that is actually one of the most important things for helping solve problems, you know, mm -hmm. don't just focus on the system itself, which is important, but also how are people going to feel about this? You know, what kind of an impact is it going to have on them? And what are the implications mm -hmm. of that? Um, which is really cool. So uh, yeah, I really do want to thank you for coming on the show, Pete. I learned a, a lot about, you know, I think the biggest takeaway for me was what I was just saying, the kind of mindset to have when helping people. 
Um, we talked a lot about um, how you're doing systems more than IT. We touched on how your college degree, you know, w was helpful in some ways um, and that, you know, you're really enjoying it um, and that your goals are to solve problems and, you know, just really be someone warm in, in the office environment. And I think that's like really respectable and I think you're doing a great job. So <laughs> thanks so much. Um, uh, no problem. Yeah. It's uh, it great to be here.